Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey there, welcome to ATL 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the, no, we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. I'm here with Greg Wissinger of kingsherald.com. I'm doing this past my bedtime because uh, we've got big news surrounding the, the, the Kings and the Hawks. And I have to ask you, Greg, uh, how good was Alex Len for the Kings last season? I mean, this is really the content that your listeners want to know, right? And- Absolutely. I got to say, I was a little sad when he signed with the Raptors because uh, he was actually pretty solid for the Kings. He, you know, it's not a superstar or anything, but he came in, he played his role. He played it well, gave the Kings some size and toughness that they needed. So uh, I enjoyed his brief stint with the Sacramento Kings. I, I think that was the general sentiment, too. I mean, I, I, I seem to remember whenever the last season was, whenever the regular portion pre-bubble of last season was. Right. Uh he was pretty good down the stretch. Um, you've been on the podcast before, and uh, searching through the archives, neither one of us can remember if you won the trivia episode or not. I know there were three contestants, and you were one, but no idea. We're both foggy. I think it's safe to just assume that I did. Oh, I don't know about that. No, I mean, see, it seems like something I would be really good at, right? I mean, oh, oh, that you did, yeah. See, my gut feeling yeah. is that you did, but I have no actual proof or certainty of that. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, there's a very good chance I lost, but I think we should assume and that all of your listeners should assume that I won and that I know what I'm talking about. You won. Yeah, I think you, like, tripled everybody, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I have to ask you, uh, what did the Hawks get themselves into? And actually, where I really want to start is why? What's going on in Sacramento? Like, why, why not re-sign him? Yeah, it's a good question because I actually just got done writing about this for Kings Herald that I've spent the last couple of days thinking that the Kings should match. I, I was firmly in the boat that the Kings should match the offer. I think the Hawks offer was a fair value for Bogey and, and what he brings to the court. Um, I think ultimately why they didn't is that the Kings are trying to kind of tear it down to a certain extent. You know, they're not going you know, full trade everyone who's worth anything. Uh, but they're trying to recenter things around Fox. And Bogdan is just a little bit older than that timeline. Uh, they've got a couple other guys that are also too old for that timeline, like Buddy <laughs> Hield and Harrison Barnes and Corey Joseph. And, you know, I could keep going. But a lot of those guys will probably be on the trade block this year. And obviously there's a really good draft class coming in. And I, I think that with as loaded as the West is, the Kings just didn't want to risk that Bogey would help him win a couple too many games while they tried to trade him. 
Oh, wow. Because if, okay. if they matched, it's not like they could easily trade him this year. He'd have right. a no-trade clause for the first year. Right, and they, he, they literally can't trade him to Atlanta if they if they match. Right, so can't trade him to Atlanta. Even if they tried to get him back to Milwaukee, because of all the new contracts, like Milwaukee couldn't do a trade with him until several months into the season anyway. Like It would have been messy. And one of the big things Monty McNair has talked about since he showed up in Sacramento was being both aggressive and flexible. And I think that matching bogey, yeah, it would have been great to get something in return. But I think ultimately it would have limited their ability to do what they want to do this season. Okay. So, you know, I think that's one of the things that people get wrong from the start is they assume that he's a young player. What was his first contract like? So his first contract was a little odd, and I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it was a three-year deal because he came over, he stayed overseas long enough to where he did not come over on a traditional rookie contract. So his first season in the NBA, he was 25 years old. Uh, He's going to be 28 for this coming season. Because he signed a non-traditional deal, he was higher than the normal rookie scale, but that's why at 28 years old he was a restricted free agent. It's kind of a unique circumstance for a player of his age. I think I remember more of his games playing in Turkey than than his Kings (laughs) games <laughs> to be honest but i have to i have to assume that for the for the general hawks fan that they're kind of in the same boat uh what have you seen over the course of those three years that you like or don't like yeah i mean definitely his biggest moments of the past three years have been on the international stage <laughs> um but what I can tell you is that he's a player who thrives in the big moment. Like he is one of those guys who is better when the game is on the line. Uh, the Kings didn't give him a lot of opportunities to to step up in those roles, uh, just because they weren't usually winning big games. But he definitely had some big game winners, some just those ice cold shots that you love to see. There was one in I think it was December of last year, so almost a year ago now. But it was just this last season. Um, where it was a big game winner over the Lakers. And of course for Kings fans, it's always good to beat the Lakers. So that one stands (laughs) out as a, a huge one for us, but he is not afraid of the big moment. He's not afraid of the big shot, but he's also not a guy who has to take every shot or has to constantly be the main focus of the offense. He's a guy who can fit into a supporting role. He, you know, has some ability to create for others, some, you know, dribbling abilities to where I think that he gives you some versatility. You know, his big weaknesses are going to be on defense, but on offense, you know, he gives you shooting, he gives you some creativity. He He's a very versatile player. Did, did you see Jeff Goodman's tweet last week about the Kings when they re-signed Fox? Uh, I did not, no. I think he does more college basketball than pro, but he tweeted something about the Fox signing. Uh, like, wow, that's a curious contract given that they just drafted Halliburton. And it's like... Oh, yeah, I did see that one. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, that guy, yeah. What? That, that was certainly a take. Okay, so, it, yeah, <laughs> I, that left me perplexed. But in that line, like, 
okay, last year Bogdanovich started 28 out of 61 games. If the Kings had matched, do you think that he would have started for the Kings this season? And uh, do you think that he's going to expect a starting role here, given that the Hawks have some sort of weird, funky, like 14-man rotation thing going? Yeah, I I do think that he would have been the day one starter. Uh, okay. So a little backstory on why he was coming off the bench in the first place. Uh, he actually started 53 games as a you know a 25 year old rookie for the Kings, mm-hmm. and then uh, last season 2018-19, he was the starter at the beginning of the year, but got hurt pretty early on. And Buddy Heald just went on a tear. I mean, was playing fantastic. Yeah, that was Dave Yeager's season. That was the season when the Kings were really taking people by surprise. And it was working with Buddy, so it didn't make sense to take him back out of the starting lineup. So Buggy came off the bench. Okay. Last season with Luke Walton coming in, uh, you know, Buddy was struggling a little bit. And as the season went along, uh, about, you know, a little less than halfway through the season, uh, Walton made the switch and put Bogey in as the starter because Buddy was really struggling. And the team started playing better. And uh, there's a lot of friction right now between Walton and Buddy over the whole thing. But Walton definitely preferred Bogey and what he brought to the table and the way that he complimented everything. So he would have been the, the starter had he stuck around. Okay. Uh the Hawks have some issues with their backup <laughs> guards. Uh, honestly, when they when they signed Rajon Rondo, I was like, "Well, they're not going to have enough money to offer a contract that won't get matched." Like I thought they would still make the offer, but at that point, you look at the remaining money that they could offer, and it's like, "Okay, well, they'll match yeah. that because either the Kings will want him at that price, or they'll get on the phone and talk to some other teams and find out." Who else might want him at that price? Um, but they signed Rondo. They also signed Chris Dunn. Uh, that's not necessarily their backcourt pairing off the bench, but it's clearly two players that you can't play together. <laughs> right. Watch, now they're going to play them together. Right. <laughs> uh, and just shatter backboards all over the place. But... Uh, Let's say that Bogdanovich plays with somebody like Dunn if Rondo takes it easy to start the season because the Lakers just finished like a month ago. Uh, can he be something of a primary ball uh, primary ball handler in the offense if, if somebody like Dunn is out there to defend at the point attack? Yeah, I definitely think he could. And I think that it would make a lot of sense if you saw... Um a combination like that where, you know, a lot of minutes were with Dunn and Bogey and then Rondo and, and Trey Young. Now, I don't know what kind of role they sold Bogey on when they signed him um, and, and how happy he'd be going to that type of, a, you know, a, more of a second unit type of role. But I think he would do very well as the primary ball handler where, you know, Dunn could be the the main defender on that side of the ball because, like I said, he Bogey isn't the best defender in the league. He He's not the worst either, but it's definitely not a strength for his. Um, but as the primary ball handler, he is creative enough to get other people involved, and I think he does strive, I think he thrives a little bit when he is able to have the ball, able to control things, able to create. I think that that's an opportunity for him to do very well. 
Yeah, the, the Hawks are definitely going to have to have some staggering issues because not, sure. not, that, not that their issues are staggering, but their issues that are going to necessitate <laughs> staggering. <laughs> Me, on the other hand, I have staggering issues, but, but the Hawks have issues <laughs> of staggering. Uh, so I anticipate they're going to have to do some mix and match. Um, well, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up because I don't want it to seem like sour grapes or anything because it's definitely not. Like, I wanted them to match Bogey, but from the start, I kind of thought that they might not. Right. Um, but, I mean, the Hawks did a lot this summer, but I'm very curious to see how it works out because I think there's a lot of ways it could work out well, but I think there's also a lot of ways it could go badly. I mean, keep in mind, as a Kings fan, I have also seen a team that seemed like it was about to break through and gave Rajon Rondo a bunch of money and signed a bunch of other guys to put him over the top. Like, well, we, can, we, we can append a Rajon Rondo uh, appendix if, if you really want us to. Uh, so I'll say that Rajon Rondo put up amazing stats in his one year in Sacramento, and most Kings fans hated having him on the team. Like, uh, payday Rajon Rondo is not the guy... Uh, especially regular season. I mean, he was great for the Lakers in the playoffs, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, he will be productive. It's not that he won't put up numbers. Right. But there's times when he may get those numbers at the expense of something greater. Yeah, like his steals numbers, because he he gets these moments on the court where he thinks he has ESP and he knows the play that's coming, and he's like, well, I'm going to go over here and get the ball. And sometimes that works, and sometimes that doesn't work. And you'll also see times when he just goes assist hunting <laughs> and you know, he'll, he'll, he'll pass up a, what should be an open layup because well, he's trying to get an extra assist. And that could, know, that could create teams, other staggering issues though. If, and if, and <laughs> <laughs> that might make some other staggering issues though. Cause if we pair Bogdanovich and, uh, and done, then, then you've got your assist hunters together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, snap. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. They, I mean, I've always been a Gallo fan. Um, you know he's going to miss 10 to 20 games a year with injuries, but when he's on the court, he's a fun player, a good player. I've liked him back since he was with Denver. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting season. I I would imagine that the the front office has another move or two up their sleeve as it the season goes like on to, to kind of clear up some things, but there's just too many players. Like, yeah. <laughs> like even, and you mentioned Gallo's injury history and, and you know, when they were first kind of going that route, it's like, okay, you know, you've got some guys on the roster like Deadman and Capella who are typically 60, 60 games a, a year guys, but mm, it's, it's hard if they're all healthy now and, we're starting the season in like a week and a half. Like that's the other thing. And you've got all these new players right. and it's like, there's no time to mesh. You just got all these new faces and we're just going to throw it all in a pot and mash it up and, and throw it on the court. That's, you know, normally in an NBA season, you've got like a September where guys start filtering into town and there aren't necessarily coach involved, but they play together and they get used to each other. And you've got more continuity because you haven't overturned the entire roster. I mean, the Hawks, they just took everything around their their core and just completely inverted it with a whole lot of money. But it's it remains to be seen how you're going to put all these jigsaw pieces into place if they if they all even come from the same set. 
Yeah, and I mean, we're recording this late Tuesday, early Wednesday, depending on the time zone, and training camp opens in like six days. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) It's going to be such an insane season. Yeah. Uh, So we talked, you mentioned a little bit about his defense, but uh, honestly, offense, when Trey Young's on the court, and he's on the court a lot, offense isn't really the issue. Their, Their larger issue is defense. Um, my, my sneaking suspicion, you know, just based on the moves that they've made, uh, letting go of guys like Len and Deadman and bringing in players like a Kong Wu and Capella and the fact that Trey Young's out there too, it, it seems like they're, and you know, they've also brought in some guys, some, some bigger guys, uh, on the wing. It just, it just kind of feels like they're going to be a little bit more aggressive with their pick and roll defense. Um, they're not going to play a drop coverage. It's going to be something more of a get up and hedge and, you know, rotate in behind that. Um, but but when you get more specific about what Bogdan can do defensively, what does he do well and what doesn't he do well? So I, I think he's an okay team defender. Like, he can be part of a defensive system. He's definitely not a one-on-one defender, though. He's not going to shut anyone down. Um and, and he's a very smart player. Like, he knows where he's supposed to be. He knows what he's supposed to do. He's not going to blow rotations or anything like that. It's more just that you put him one-on-one, and he's just not the skilled defender to lock down a guy. Okay. Uh, now, the problem, of course, is that the Hawks have a lot of guys like that. So. Yeah, I mean, they've got done. I, mean, I think to your point, I mean... I'm certainly no NBA coach or, or you know tactician, but I, if I look at the Hawks, I think that they're probably going to be more of like an aggressive kind of sink or swim defense where you know they might gamble a bit more, kind of like you said, be a little bit more aggressive. You know, but there's going to be plenty of plays where it just doesn't work, and you know guys score on them, but then they're going to go back down and you know try to score three points where they gave up two. Oh, for sure, yeah, that. The theory here is seems like it's going towards the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, oh, what was I going to ask you? My memory shot. This is this is too late. You're you're further <laughs> west than me, aren't you? In Colorado or somewhere? Or yeah, I'm in Colorado. You've got a couple, got a couple hours, hours on, on you. Yeah, I'm getting loopy. What was <laughs> I going to ask you? Shoot, shoot, shoot. Were you going to uh, ask me about King's Legend Dwayne Dedman? Oh, I don't. I still don't understand that. Like he was so good, like for John Collins and Trey, like they, it was basically, you know, it was Trey's rookie season, John's second season. And they basically just played like a three man game. They would just, you know, run Trey around double screens and, and he was fantastic. Like what, what went wrong for him in Sacramento? Uh, can, can, and also, can you take him back? Can you, can you, can you bring him back this season? Cause he's still out <laughs> on the market, I think. Yeah, I don't think he's coming back because his big issue was uh, not meshing with Luke Walton. Um, There were two big things that I saw that were issues. Uh, The first was when he was in Atlanta, most of his three-point shooting was like corner threes, right? Oh, I don't think so. I think, like I said, a lot of it was that like the double screen action. So a lot of it was like, you know, you call them the elbow, not like not top of the key, but like... Okay, sure, yeah. So... Elbow or or more towards corner. Uh, Walton's setups mostly got him shots like straight on top of the key. Okay. And 
the way that Walton was trying to run the offense, a lot of times the ball ended up in Demon's hand to make passes. And I don't know if it was just not understanding the offense or where guys were going to be or if guys were in the wrong place, but like, I mean, Demon only started like six games. It, it was a very brief stint that he was in the starting lineup, but in that time, it was like he couldn't make a four-foot pass. Okay. I remembered it, my question. And it relies on your Hawks knowledge. Oh, good. <laughs> so, Hawks expert Greg Wissinger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you were to put Bogdanovich side-by-side with Kevin Herter, who mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I sort of feels like if the Hawks had gotten a little bit more, if they were a little happier with Kevin Herter, then maybe they don't make this move. But at the same time, you know, he's he's on the young side, and it, you can't really have enough wings in the NBA, but still, like, and you're carving out roles. Like, who, who do you give a larger role to? I mean, I guess... I'm asking this as a theoretical question because when the money's on the line, you give Bogdanovich the bigger role because you just paid him. But uh, in an abstract situation where you kind of had to pick between who's doing what, um, how, how would you pick between those two players to to sort of have your shooting combo guard off the bench come in and, and, and deal with things? So, yeah, obviously Herder's a lot younger. You know, he's only going to be, what, 22 this season? Mm-hmm. Um He's a little bit better shooter from deep. I mean, Bogey's NBA three-point numbers have never been uh, that spectacular. I mean, they're not bad or anything like that. They're about 37%. I think Herter's a little bit higher than that. Um, but I think where Bogey has the edge is going to be just a more well-rounded game. Uh, now, some of that could just be a matter of age, right? You know, age and experience. I mean... Bogey's played on a much larger world stage. He's played in, you know, high stakes international competition. He's got more experience in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I think that Herder could eventually kind of get to that point. But if you're looking at it right here and right now, I think Bogey's going to be a more well-rounded player, you know, better decision maker with the ball in his hands. Um, yeah. And just bring more overall versatility as far as the game that he provides while also being a little bit more productive than where Herder's at at this point in his career. Okay. I think if you asked some some Hawks fans that, uh, and again, with them maybe not being Kings experts, but I think <laughs> what they would want out of Bogdanovich is somebody who's a little bit stronger at the rim. I think that's something that they're, the Hawks have been looking for from Kevin Herter, and he's gotten better, but maybe not to the point that he's gotten all the way to where they want to be. Uh, how is Bogdanovich on the drive and finishing at the rim. So I don't know that he's necessarily going to have that be considered a strength. Right. But if, if, you know, if he's uh, out there with Trey and Trey him, runs a pick and roll and all of a sudden he gets the ball in the corner off of a strong closeout, can he attack that closeout? Oh, for sure. I mean, he, and that's kind of where that good decision-making comes in. Like he knows when right. to go to the rim now, he's not the guy who's going to just break down a defense and get to the For rim sure. on a regular basis, sure. but he's capable of doing that. He's you know, an out, he's a very opportunistic scorer. Like He knows how to break down a defense and how to kind of take what it gives him, and he rarely will try to do too much. Like He also kind of knows his limitations on offense. Uh, on occasion, he'll make 
you know, those head scratcher plays, but that's most players in the NBA will do that on occasion. But um, I would say that he can definitely, when there's that opportunity to, you know, like you said, someone's closing out and just blow past them and get to the rim. He can do that. I I don't think that he's as one dimensional as what you're talking about with the concerns with Herder. Okay. Uh, I mean, this is a question that, I pretty much ask everybody all the time, but am I forgetting anything? What, what else should I be asking you here about him? Is 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 he good in the team context? Is, is there anything else I'm missing here when we try to round out the full picture? I here's the big thing I would say is that you know I always believe in that test of are the fans who are losing him are they like happy the guy's going? Are they <laughs> sad he's going? You know that tends to tell you a lot when. You kind of get the read on how people are reacting when they've watched him, you know, every night. It seems like King's Twitter is melting down. Yeah, King's fans are not happy (laughs) he's gone. Like, (laughs) like even with the idea of, you know, maybe the team's going a different direction and flexibility and, you know, all the different explanations we might get. Ultimately, King's fans are sad he's going. He was a, a fan favorite. He, you know, he's a good player. He's got a little bit of an attitude and a little bit of a swagger on the court. Like he'll do like this. You may have seen, you know, either clips or pictures where he's doing kind of his three celebration where he's throwing up three fingers and kind of waving them in front of his face after a big three. Like, like he just does those little things that you enjoy. He doesn't cause problems. Like even when he, like he wasn't happy coming off the bench in Sacramento. Like he didn't like that, but he never, complained publicly he never made a fuss out of it like even though he and buddy were in competition and basically taking each other's jobs over the past two years like they were really good friends like bogey's a great guy to have on your team like that part of it you have nothing to worry about uh yeah i i'm a big fan of bogey i'll still be a fan of his even in Atlanta. i hope it works out well for him um you know i hope it's what he hopes it is going to be you know, as far as just his his role and the success and everything that he's trying to seek, because yeah, I mean, honestly, he probably deserved a lot better than the first three years of his NBA career stuck in Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. Uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this on short notice. I mean, I guess all the warning signs were there, but I didn't prepare myself until the last minute to do something like this, and. Uh, I think it's helpful. I'm excited for the season. Uh, I'm scared about the season because it's like you've loaded up the train, but the the tracks are looking a little bent. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the train is loaded up, and uh, (laughs) the money is spent, and the players are coming. The season's like just about here, and man, uh, if nothing else, we've got drama in Atlanta. We haven't had drama in Atlanta in five years or so, Um, so... If nothing yeah, else, drama is a good thing. The Hawks are not going to be boring. No, like, they're you not. Know that. I don't know if they're going to be good, right. but they won't be boring. No, they're <laughs> like, not going to be boring. They're they're going to have to get some national TV appearances. It's I'm not I'm not going to get the national TV schedule and see March four NBA TV. Okay, that's exciting. <laughs> All right, Greg. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, of course. Anytime. All right. Have a good night, sir. Take care.